Father, amazing is an understatement. There, there really is no, uh, I don't think the human mind has thought of a word to describe you. Uh, the fact that you see the depths of our heart, like I think of friends that have saw a piece of our heart and ran. But Lord, you saw the, the dirty wickedness, the filth, the grime, and said, I love them. And you loved us so much that your, your love didn't just cause you to write us a love note. Your love didn't just cause you to say, I love you, but your love moved you to send your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you this morning and we worship your son, Jesus, because there is no other way in order to have access to you. The fact that we're praying to you right now is sheer grace based on the cross of Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you did create all the stars. You do know them all by name, which shows us how sovereign and how big you are. But even in the midst of you being big, you decided that you would become intimate with us. We thank you, Lord. We run to the cross of Christ where we find that intimacy. So, Lord, today, would you just continue to birth in our hearts? The text says we humbly fall to our knees, but the reality is we all still stood. Father, would you bend our knees to worship you? Would you break our, our posture of I'm too cute to worship you? Father, help us to get ugly for you. Because you got so ugly for us that you decided to die for us. We thank you, Lord. And we worship you and we give you all the praise and glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. Actually, afternoon. It is good to be here with you gathered, uh, worshiping the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It is a really good Sunday to be here. First of all, this is the first Sunday of the year. So welcome. Happy New Year. Excited to see you all. Praise God that we, uh, by God's grace, were able to make it out of 2017. Uh, it's also another good Sunday because we are coming off of the heels of our, our church-wide consecration, our church-wide fast. We've been fasting all week. Those of you who may not know that, we've been fasting the entire week. Uh, Joel 1.14 says, call a solemn assembly, call a fast, uh, gather the elders together, gather the inhabitants of the land. But we're not just gathering to look at each other. The Bible says, gather them to cry out to the Lord. And so all week long, we didn't just we decided that we weren't just going to we weren't just going to uh, fast and turn our plates down and disconnect from social media and disconnect from TV. We decided that we were going to pray this week. And so what we did was we tried to uh, have some personal devotional time and prayer time for you. We tried to create that space for you. But we also wanted to intentionally gather together corporately to make sure that we were praying. And so we did that on Tuesday through a prayer call. Those of you who who were on it. I don't know. Somebody had static on that call. I don't know who that was. I'm it was me? The devil is a liar. It was not me. You know, just the fact that Wendell did that, I know it was Wendell. I know it was. Somebody had static. I'm trying to, still trying to figure it out. Uh, but anyway, it, it was good to, to be able to gather, uh, even through the static, to be able to pray. We spent 45 straight minutes, everybody just bombarding heaven. And, uh, and then we got together on Wednesday night and we were here and we did a prayer and testimony service where we started out on our knees and we prayed for a half an hour straight on our knees. We audibly prayed and it was so rich and so good to walk in and hear the prayers of God's people. Uh, and then we spent some time just praying for different aspects of, uh, of the neighborhood, 
pray for our elected officials here. We pray for our schools. We pray for our, our principals. We pray for our teachers and social workers and principals that are members here. We bombarded heaven for our neighborhood to see city renewal, to see Jesus really redeeming the city. Then we pray for what God is doing here in the local church, and uh, he's doing a lot, and I'm, I'm just grateful for it. And, you know, one of the things I love about prayer, which we're going to talk a little bit more about today, one of the things I love about prayer is that God is, like, he's so dope. Like, we all can pray, and he's not overwhelmed. He's not sitting in heaven going, it's just too much. Somebody got to filter these prayers out for me. Like, it's, you know, email these prayers. I can't, like, God sits up, and he just absorbs and hears. And it's a sweet aroma to him. And so uh, we spent the week really, really pushing hard on this fast and through prayer. And it, it was a great time for us. And my hope is that those of you who did participate uh, and those of you who didn't, that we would create rhythms in our 2018 to where we really exercise this spiritual discipline called fasting. We exercise it frequently. My hope is that uh, the fast that we did over the last week wouldn't be the only fast for 2018, but we would constantly feel the need to disconnect, to get aligned with the Lord, uh, and we would constantly find ourselves kneeling before the Lord, praying to the Lord, uh, and asking him for guidance. And so, uh, thank you guys for participating. Thank you guys for joining in. It was a great, great week. And I don't know about you, but man, I feel refreshed. Does anybody feel refreshed from the fast? Amen. Uh, we're also just getting back from our leadership retreat. We just spent the last uh, two days in the Poconos. We were in the sticks. It was freezing cold and pitch black, you know, in the sticks. In the Poconos, they don't have no street lights. Like, everything is black out there. Uh, but it was a good time to be able to disconnect and really just uh, refocus and get our, get our leaders together. When I say leaders, I mean our ministry leaders. We had our small group leaders and our small group host. We just got them all together and we tried to re-energize some things that are going here. We tried to uh, cast vision and, and try to really steer the direction of our church to really focus well on serving the body. And so I'm excited about things that are happening in 2018. We'll roll more of that out on Vision Sunday, the last Sunday of this month, uh, where I'll just spend time. We'll be in the Word, but I'll spend time just really casting vision for our church for 2018. Uh, well, listen, I'm eager to preach the Word of God like every Sunday. Uh, so if you can grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of Proverbs, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're a young church because I hear no pages. Everybody's grabbing their cell phones. You could, whatever you have, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So whatever you have, if you could just meet me in Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, like I said, we've spent the last week really focusing our time on prayer. And one of the things I started to feel probably around Tuesday afternoon was the need to teach on prayer and to talk about prayer uh, from, the, from the scriptures. You know, there is great books on prayer. I mean, there really is. But there's no teacher on prayer like the word of God. So what we'll do today is we'll look at an actual prayer and try to grab some nuggets and nutrients from an actual prayer. So if you could pick me up in verse 7, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 is where we are. It says this, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Here they are, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I simply want to preach this morning or this afternoon from the topic uh, entitled Wise Prayer Request. Wise Prayer Request. Let us look to the Lord. Uh, Father, as we talk about prayer, we, we, we do so 
dependent on you. We need you. We need you right now in this moment. We need you to speak to us right out of what you've already spoken in your infallible, perfect word. Father, if we're honest, if any, if any of us are honest on any, any level, we will say that 2017, we were very inconsistent with our prayers. And some of us that were consistent with our prayers, we were self-absorbed in our content. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would teach us through the wisdom of a man named Agur, that you would teach us how to pray and teach us what to pray for and really get out our hearts. Would you challenge us this morning? I pray that we would not walk out of here and simply say amen. But those of us who have lacked consistency in prayer, would we walk out of here and genuinely say, ouch, I need to get it together. So, Lord, please let Jesus be, be central. Let him be heard. Let him be talked about, even from the topic of prayer requests. It is in Christ's name. In Christ's name alone we pray. Amen. Wise prayer requests. I recently just did a research paper on the strong possibility that John Mark, which is the, the writer of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark, I recently wrote a paper on how he was potentially a very strong possibility that he was from Cyrene. Now, that may not sound like a big deal from you until you realize that Cyrene was a city in Libya, which means that there's a possibility that Mark potentially could have been from Africa and had an African descent. Now, we wouldn't read that in our Western literature. You won't probably have never heard that before, uh, but there is strong content that suggests that could be the case, which is a very, very, those of us who are minorities, that makes a lot of difference for our hearts as it relates to the scriptures. And, you know, as I was doing research and as I was looking through uh, really ancient African writings in the first century, I came across some really interesting stuff, particularly in the Coptic church in Africa. Stay with me, or in Egypt. Stay with me. Um, there, there was one story that I came across that I thought was interesting. It was about how early converts, early African converts were consistent and faithful in prayer. And what they would do is, it's true, what they would do is they would pick spots in the woods and find a thicket and they would go and that would be their prayer place. And after a while from consistently going into these prayer places in this thicket, they would wear out the path to get to the place that they prayed. Now, here's the problem with that. If you lacked consistency in your prayer life, it was public knowledge. We would know because the path in which led to your prayer place would start to grow back. And the one that was ne negligent in prayer, often those that were close to him would remind him that he wasn't praying by simply saying, brother, the grass grows on your path. Here's what I want to push to you this, this morning out of our text. In 2017, the path has grown on many of our paths. Many of you in this room have said to people, I'm going to pray for you, walked away and completely forgot that conversation. Many of you have, have written down things and said, I need to pray for these things and walked away and tried to accomplish the things we wrote down by our own might. We tried to accomplish them by our own skills and our own wit, but we didn't commit ourselves to, to perfect and, and, and consistent and faithful communication with our God. Well, this morning, we're going to be reminded by a man named Agur the importance of prayer. Now, you may not know Agur. Some of you in this room have never even heard of the name Agur. He is not a well-known biblical character. Uh, we, we do not know a lot about him. In fact, the only place you can see his name is in Proverbs chapter 30. 
Let me go a little bit deeper. The only place you can see Agur's name is in one verse in Proverbs chapter 30. Verse number one is the only place we see Agur. And so we don't know his skill set. We do not know his life's accomplishments. We do not know what he struggled with. But what we do know is a couple of things. Number one, he had a prayer life. Second thing we know is in his prayers, he used a lot of wisdom. Another thing about this prayer, this prayer that Agur prays, the only place in Proverbs that we see a prayer is this one right here. There is no other prayer written in the book of wisdom. There is no other prayer but this one right here, which suggests to us this morning that this prayer, God may be saying this is a perfect model of what prayer should be. And this morning, it would behoove us to work through the petitions that Agur makes. But here's what I know. We should not run straight to the petitions because he doesn't petition anything until verse 8. But we intentionally read verse 7 because his prayer started in verse 7, which means we can learn a lot from Agur's prayer before we get to the petition. Let me show you what we can learn. The first six words really speak to our heart this morning. Look back at verse 7 with me. Here's what Agur says when he opens his prayer. Two things I ask of you. Notice that, that posture of Agur's prayer. He prays with humble submission to God. Agur does not decree and declare like God is some bellhop boy. He does not demand God anything. He does not boss God around. He does not use his faith to manipulate God. He simply prays with submission by asking God do you pray like that? Do you walk into God's presence like you're on, like you're an equal with God, like you're part of the Trinity, like it's the quadrinity, like it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, it's God the Father, and then there's a seat for you. Can I promise you that the Trinity is three seats and they're all well taken and they don't need you? But sometimes we pray as though we're on the same level as God, but not Agur. Agur prays with submission, and he knows if he's going to, in his finite, in his mortality, if he's going to get anything from God, he needs to go with submission. In this moment, he realizes how big God is and how small he is. Now, here's what I know. In the tone of this request, you can get a lot done by how your tone is. So what do I mean by that? My boys sometimes, you know, They'll give me requests and, you know, based on the tone of their request, I might grant their request based on how they ask. So if they're hungry and I'm coming down the steps and they're like, yo, daddy, good to see you. Get in the kitchen and fix me something to eat. That's a problem. Like I might go in the kitchen, but I'm probably going to grab a knife and come back out. I'm, I'm joking. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm serious. I would do that. But the tone of their their tone of their request might get their request answered. The problem with us is we mosey into God's presence like we're privileged, like we're supposed to be there. Like realize how Agur is praying in this prayer. He doesn't pray like that. He realizes that God is big and far above us, and we are minute and small. When we were away this weekend in the woods, one of the things we did was we created a fire. They had a fire pit outside, so we got some wood and created a fire and when I was outside, there was a moment that I looked up at the stars. You know, we can't do that here in Brooklyn. There's like a, a smog cloud over Brooklyn. 
But in the Poconos, it's nice and just clean air. And so I went outside as we were creating and gathering this fire and starting the fire. And I took a moment just to look up. And I realized when I looked up, when I was looking at the massive nature of the stars in the universe, like nobody in that moment feels big. Like nobody feels like they could jump up and grab a star and be like, God, you didn't position this right. So let me twist it over here. None of us feel like that. Anybody that looks up on a clear night, you look up and see the massive nature of the stars and everyone feels minute. No one feels big. And that is how prayer should be. When you kneel or you stand and you get before the Lord in a prayer, the posture of your prayer should be like standing up and looking at the stars. You realize that God is big. And so what does Agur do here? He says, no, 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 no. I'm not praying like that. I'm going to pray with submission because I realize how big this God is. And the fact that he prays with submission doesn't mean his prayer lacks urgency. The fact that you pray with submission doesn't mean that your prayer is unimportant. Your prayer might be important. In fact, Agur's prayer was important. You know how I know his prayer was important? Look at the rest of verse 7. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not for me. Look at the urgency before I die. Agur here is praying, and he's praying to a God that he's immortal, but he's praying and realizing his own mortality. He realizes that at some point he has an expiration date. I know I say this to you all the time, but it's so true. All of us in this room have a time in which we will check out of here. I don't care how much spinach you eat. I don't care how many miles you run. I don't care if you're in the New York Marathon. Everybody in here will have a date that they have to meet their maker. Here's what Agur does. He prays with that in mind. And when you pray thinking, I'm not here forever, it changes the stuff we pray about. Our problem is we pray for cars, we pray for homes, we pray for jobs, we pray for iPhones. You do realize cars, homes, jobs, and iPhones don't make it to heaven. That stuff is fleeting. That iPhone X that you just bought is going to be in your junk drawer in about two years when the new phone comes out. It's going to be outdated, but that's the stuff that consumes our prayer lives. Self-absorbed, but no, 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 not agar. Agur here prays, and he's thinking about the end. He's thinking he will die. Let me put some Bible there. Psalms chapter 30, verse number 12 says this. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed for man to die once. Then after that comes judgment. When you realize and recognize that you will not be here forever, it should alter how you pray. Many of us were too self-absorbed. Now, here's another thing about his prayer. By the way, notice we haven't got to a request yet. We're learning just from his prayer without any petitions, which, by the way, let me just go ahead and say that to you. Every prayer that you pray to God shouldn't be full of petitions. There should be times that you, especially if you read the Psalms, you read the 100s and up, that's worship right there. There should be times in your prayer where you don't ask God for anything. You just bask in his presence. You just tell him how wonderful he is. But here in our text, we haven't gotten to any prayer requests. There's something else to note about this prayer. Notice that Agur prays with preparation. He doesn't just go into God's presence with prayer and is not prepared. He has a list of what he wants God to do. But notice something about his list. 
It's only two things on his list. Keep in mind, he, he knows he's dying at some point. And some commentators have suggested that Agur may be an elderly man. We do not know that because the text doesn't say it. But it's a possibility that he knows he's about to die soon. And if that is the case, notice the two things he prays for. Like if you had a list, if God said, you're about to die, but I'll grant you a, whatever you want, how long would your list be? Worse, what would be on your list? We get to see how long his list is. He goes into the, to the presence of his God through prayer and is absolutely prepared. In ancient times, you better not walk in the presence of an ancient king and not be prepared. You better have thoughtful preparation for whatever the request is. Nehemiah did this. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. He's in the presence of the king, and the king says to him, what do you want? What can I do for you? And he does not start popping off a list. The king says, what can I do for you? And then uh, Nehemiah says, wait a second, let me go pray. That is what that means. That's how we should be. We should be so in tune with the Lord that we don't just make decisions. We have thoughtful preparation through prayer. And Agur does that this morning. He says, listen, I got two things to bring before you. And the two things that he brings before the Lord, please notice this. They are, he's asking God to remove stuff out of his life that will block godliness. When do we pray those prayers? We don't even think about that. We were like, Lord, I need to get out of this situation. Lord, I need finances. I need this. I need that. I need this. And we never think and we never prepare in our minds, Lord, the stuff I'm asking for, will it start to damage my relationship with you? The stuff I'm asking for, will it block me from godliness? Everything Agar prays this morning or this afternoon, everything he prays is prayers to keep his relationship with the Lord fresh and consistent. So he says, Lord, I got two things. I got two petitions. And Lord, I ask that you grant them before I die. Now that we've gotten through all of verse 7 and gotten through some of just the posture of his prayer, let's look at the content. Because here's, I can promise you this. There's parts of his content that we've prayed before. But there's parts of his content that you've ne- you never even thought about praying. Let's look at it. Verse number eight. Let's do verse seven into verse eight. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Here it is. First prayer request. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. He asked for God to remove. And by the way, these two falsehood and lying, sometimes it feels like they're synonymous, like they mean the same thing. But falsehood and lying are two different things. Falsehood is is different. Falsehood is presenting yourself as though you are something and you know you're really not that. We do that on social media all the time. Like, you know, the stuff that you put out on social media, you know, you're not that fly. You know, you don't got it like that. But that's the stuff we present. That's the stuff we put out there. And what are we doing? Falsehood. And Agur this morning says, no, no, please, Lord, don't let me be like that. Don't let me try to be, act one way and show people one side of me, but really I'm broken and I'm not that way. He says, remove far from me falsehood, but not just far, falsehood. Remove lying from me. Lying is di- different. Lying has no commitment to the truth. Here's what the Bible says about lying. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, verse 12, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Now, here's what we don't know about this first prayer request. We do not know if Agur is praying 
some personal confession of what he's struggling with. He potentially could be struggling with falsehood and lying. We do not know if he's praying this prayer because the people around him are struggling with falsehood and lying. But here's what we know. We do know that he wants God to remove it. No, not just remove it. Look at the wording in the text. Remove it far from me. I don't even want that in my like, vicinity because if that's in my vicinity, if I struggle with it, it's a possibility I can reach back and grab it again. He says, Lord, remove it. Don't just remove it. Remove it far from me. There's something else to note here about this first prayer request. Agur here recognizes that he does not have the spiritual strength to remove falsehood and lying himself. If he is struggling with falsehood and lying, he knows that he's not going to stop lying based on his own strength. Here's what you do. What we do when it comes to sin is we think that we can stop it ourselves. We think we can remove it ourselves, but we need to be like Agur. We need to realize if it's going to be removed out of our life, we need God to do it. Some of you in here have gotten way too comfortable in sin. It's, it's like that, you know, those videos where people get in the, you know, next to a lion and they're petting the lion and the lion is calm. And, you know, or, or I don't know if you've seen that video. I really saw this where the guy opened the alligator's mouth and then he put his head in the alligator's mouth. And, you know, in that moment, I'm always rooting for the animal because I'm just like, why are you putting your head in the animal's mouth? Who's the first person to do that anyway? But that's what we do when it comes to sin. We sit with the lion and we pet it, knowing that it might be calm for at, at some point. But at some point, that thing's going to bite you. But here's what Agur does. He says, Lord, if, if this thing is going to be removed out of my life, I cannot do it myself. You remove it. Remove it far from me, because when I remove it, I'll simply unfollow him. But if you remove it, I'll unfollow, I'll block, I'll delete my account, and I'll throw the phone away. Because here's what God does. God doesn't just remove it. He takes the taste out of your mouth for it. But what we do with sin is we play with it. Not anger. He says, Lord, falsehood and lying, if, that, if that's what I'm dealing with, remove it far from me. Don't let it be in my reach. I don't want it in my reach because I do not want to fall back into it. Second prayer request. So the first one is, Lord, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Here's the second one. Give me neither poverty nor riches. There's something real important to note about this second prayer request. Agur here shows us that poverty and riches, both of them come from God. What we do is we think that only riches come from the Lord. But if I'm impoverished, the devil's in my money. But could it be possible, like the promotion is from the Lord, but could it be possible that the pink slip is from the Lord too? Now, we don't want to think like that. We just want to think. That's why I hate the prosperity gospel. This gospel that says if you just got enough faith, faith God wants everybody rich. Do you realize that some of you, you being rich is a curse, not a blessing? For Agur, he realizes that being rich will be a curse for him. He says, Lord, don't make me, please, don't make me poor, but don't make me rich either. He realizes his own personal weakness. And so first, the, the first part of the second prayer request is, Lord, remove poverty from me. He does not want to be poor. And he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't want poverty based on his own 
discomfort because we've all prayed that. Let's just be honest. Everybody in this room would say, Lord, don't make me poor. And we, do, we pray that because we, we pray against our own personal comfort. But that's not why Agra is saying that. Look at why he's saying it. It's in the text. He says, look at the B part of verse 9. Jump with me a little bit here. Verse 9, he says, lest I be poor. Here's why he doesn't want to be poor. And still, here it is, and profane the name of my God. He realizes that if he becomes poor, there is a possibility that he will steal. And he's not worried about the offense of the person he's stealing from. He's worried that the name of his God will be profaned because people will look at me and say, your God can't provide for you. And so what does Agar say? Just remove it. Don't let me be poor because I do not want to profane the name of my God. Now, pastor, I've prayed that prayer. I got you. I'll pray. I do not want to be poor. Here's what we normally don't pray. Look back at the text. He says, give me neither poverty. We won't pray this one. Don't give me riches. When's the last time you prayed that? Lord, don't give me no, like, I see money coming. Money cometh to me now, Lord, but I don't want it. Don't give me any, don't give me that check, Lord, because if I get that check, I might forget you. We never pray that prayer. But that's why Agra's more wise than us, because what, see, what he's not doing, let me, because I, I don't want to, you know, create this false idea that Agra is praying against riches for everybody. He's not saying that, there, that for, in order for you to be a believer, you shouldn't have money. Some of you, the Lord will bless you to be rich. Holla at me if that's you. But the reality is on the flip side, some of you, the Lord will, I'm going to use the word, bless you to be poor. And that is a blessing as well. But he realizes, Lord, if you give me too much, I'm going to forget you. And here's, like, just be honest. Some of the more consistent and, and prevailing prayers we've ever given to the Lord were moments where we needed the Lord because we didn't have enough. But when we get full, don't act like you be on your knees. When you get full, we have the potential to forget God even existed. In fact, Moses talks about this 500 years before Agur prays this. 500 years before Agur prays, Moses looks at Israel and sees them wandering because they're full. And a full stomach is always a stomach that has the potential to forget God. But an empty stomach is dependent on the Lord. An empty stomach is always asking for God. It's always seeking after God. But a full stomach will sit back and think, Lord, I don't even know who you are, even though he's provided for us. Here's what Moses said. I was going to just skip over it, but I I feel led to read it in Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you're taking notes, you should read this when you get home. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses says this to Israel. And we do not know if Agur read Moses' words before he said it. It's a possibility. But look at what happens here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Here's what Moses says to Israel. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Listen, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 15, who led you through the great and terrible uh, wilderness with fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of a flinty rock, 
who led you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware, lest your heart, lest in your heart, look at what they say. My power and my might have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that has given you power to obtain wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore with your fathers as of this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today. Here's what Moses says. Today you will surely perish. Moses wrote 500 years before Agrippa praised the prayer. Moses wrote, y'all in Israel, y'all got too much because now that you got so much, you forgot the Lord. And Agrippa says to us this morning through his prayer, let that not be me, Lord. Don't give me riches, because if you give me riches, there's a possibility that I will forget you. And now money in and of itself is not the problem. It's the heart behind the money, because reality is I could take twenty dollars right now and I can go out on the street corner and I could find somebody that's in desperate need that that twenty dollars would be a blessing for. Or I can take that same $20 and I can go down to the strip club and put it in the G-string. The money wasn't the problem. I'm the problem. My heart is the problem. And so riches isn't the problem. It's the heart behind what you do when you get an abundance. Agra says, Lord, I know me. See, that's what I love about Agra's prayer. That's why it's a wise prayer request. It's wise because Agra realizes that he might be the one that lies and, and, and forgets the Lord, and he might be the one that if he was poor, he steals, and he might be the one that if he gets rich, he'll forget the Lord. And he says, Lord, remove all of that. I don't want any of that because that will be a distraction for me. And you know what he does? Look at the wisdom in his prayer. He says in verse number eight, I love verse eight. He says, the B part, feed me with the food that is needful for me. That is wisdom and praying right there. What he's basically saying is, Lord, only give me enough so that I'm dependent on you. Only give, don't give me too much because you give me too much, I'll forget you. Don't give me a little because you give me a little, I'm going to have to steal. I know me. But Lord, give me just enough. And in 2018, that should be your prayer. Lord, just give me what's good for me. Don't give me too much. I know what culture is saying. I know what Christian television is saying that you need, you know, an abundance. You need cars and homes. And like, I'm not I'm not praying against that stuff. But, Lord, only give me that if my heart can take it, because some of our hearts legitimately can't take it. In 2017, if you lacked consistency in your prayer, what is some ways that you could turn up consistency? And for those of you in this room that were consistent in prayer in 2017, what are some ways you can be more wise, use more wisdom in your content, in your prayer requests? Agra shows us this morning how to do that. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The fact that you are able to pray, I said it on Wednesday night to the crew that was here for, for, uh, for our prayer and testimony service. The fact that you're able to pray really is you testing out the grounds to see if the gospel works. What do I mean by that? In the gospel, Jesus Christ 
crushes the beef between you and God. You are sinful. You, there's no good in you. There is a holy God that is perfect, and your sin cannot be in his presence. And Jesus Christ crushes the beef that you and God had. And we get access at some point forever to be with God, and we get to test that out by praying. Because in prayer, Hebrews will say, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can get at at the feet of our God because of the cross. The inconsistency that some of you have had, you've tried, you've tried to remove prayer but replace it with grinding. Some of you in this room, if you're honest, you tried to strategize and plan more than you prayed. And this morning, I pray that we would repent of grinding where we should have been praying. I pray that we would repent from relying on our degrees when we should have relied on God. You need heaven to move, not your own personal accomplishments. Do me a favor, not just, because I was going to call an altar call. I was going to say, man, those of you who lack consistency in prayer come down. But I, I realize all of us in this room lack consistency. Nobody in here will, can honestly say I'm killing it in my prayer game. I'm faithful to prayer. No, we've missed opportunities. We've ran ahead of God because we lacked the ability to get before him. So this is really what I want us to do. If everybody could stand and stretch across the aisles and hold hands and make the whole place one big altar. Because all of us are in desperate need of consistent prayers that have wise content. Lord, I thank you for every hand that is held right now. I pray that, pray that they would feel the love of the hand that is on the right of them and on the, on the left of them. And I also pray that they would realize that the person that is holding their hand lacked consistency in prayer. And if they didn't, it's a strong possibility that we were self-absorbed in our prayers. We prayed a bunch of stuff for us and did not think, Lord, if I get it, is it going to cause me to drift? So, Lord, would you convict us today? Would you get out of our hearts today? Would you help us, Lord, to move to a place, as I said on, on New Year's Eve, move to a place where we're out praying everybody. Where we walk to people and we realize, man, I've prayed more for you than you prayed for me. And that's a good thing. Because I want to pray for you more. I want to push you more. I want to see your dreams and your accomplishments come to pass. I want to see your relationship with the Lord thrive. And so I'm going to turn this horizontal love for you to an upward petition to the Lord. Help us today with our fickle prayer request. Lord, I thank you in 2017 that you didn't answer everything. Thank you for blocking our unwise prayers. And I do thank you for the doors that you did open through prayer. I thank you that you've even opened doors that we didn't pray because we have an advocate that stands on our behalf and prays for us, not just dies for us. John 17, he prays for us. And Lord, I thank you this morning and this afternoon. And I pray that the hands that are held in this room 
would walk out of here and genuinely, genuinely, genuinely work on their prayer life. And we'd be so serious about it that we'd invite people in to hold us accountable for prayer. I pray that we would have people in our lives that say, I know you're about to make that decision, but did you pray about it first? Pray that we'd have people in our lives be like, I know you want to take that job and they actually offered it to you, but you should pray first. Forgive us for being impulsive. Where we ran so fast and we just thought it was you. We thought it was you. Every open door ain't you. Some open doors will be distractions for us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us with our prayer life. and Help us to realize that it's a privilege to pray to you. Help us to realize that it's not a duty. We don't have to pray. We get to pray. Lord, help us with that. Change our thought process of prayer. But I'm, I'm so serious about this. I'm serious about it because you want to hear from our, your children. I would be devastated as, as a father if my children never talked to me. But yet we go days, Lord, weeks without speaking to you. Forgive us today. Help us to have moments where we get on our knees and desperately seek you. But also help us to have those moments where we're going through our day, but we never move too far from a prayer. It's always one in our pocket. Going through our day and we're about to make a decision and we walk away and say, wait, got to go pray. I don't care if it's a decision. You're sitting at the bank and they're about to approve the loan. Wait, don't do it yet. I got to pray because if this comes through for me and it pulls my heart from the Lord, I don't want to be there. Keep the loan. Lord, give us wisdom like that. Help us to be faithful to prayer. When people say that they're struggling, may we not say, I'm going to pray for you. May we stop and pray for them at the moment. Pray that our lives will be full of days of prayer. May it be normal for us to walk in this room and see pockets of people praying. Because they're in conversation and realize the Spirit says, pray now. So, Lord, I do pray, Lord, that you would answer prayers, that you would say no to prayers, and that you would close doors, and you would do your thing. And Father, the reality is we'll submit to all of it. Whatever it is you do, we'll submit to it. Give us the wisdom and the discipline needed for, needed for prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.